0: Book four, part three of the history of Britain by John Milton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. In the year 733, on the 18th day of the calends of September, was an eclipse of the sun about the third hour of day, obscuring almost his whole orb as with a black shield. Ethelbald, King of Mercia besieged and took the castle or town of Somerton, and two years after, post Christ 735, returned to text. Bida, our historian, died. Some say the year before. Kelwolf, in Northumberland, three years after, post Christ 738, returned to text, became a monk in Lindisfarne. Yet none of the severest. For he brought those monks from milk and water to wine and ale in which doctrine no doubt they were soon docile and well might for kelwulf brought with him good provision great treasure and revenues of land recited by simeon yet all under pretence of following i use the author's words poor christ by voluntary poverty no marvel then if such applause were given by monkish writers to kings turning monks and much cunning perhaps used to allure them. To Eadbert, his uncle's son, he left the kingdom, whose brother Eckbert, Archbishop of York, built a library there. But two years after, note, post-Christ 740, returned text, while Eadbert was busied in war against the Picts, Ethelbald, the Mercian, by foul fraud, assaulted part of Northumberland in his absence, as the supplement to beat epitome records in the kingdom of the west saxons edelard who succeeded aina having been much molested in the beginning of his reign with the rebellion of oswald as kinsman who contended with him for the right of succession overcoming at last those troubles died in peace in the year seven hundred and forty-one leaving Cuthred, one of the same lineage to succeed him who at first had much war with ethelbald the mercian and various success, but joining with him in a league two years after, note post Christ seven forty three, returned to text, made war on the Welsh, over whom Huntingdon doubts not to give them a great victory. And Simeon reports another battle fought between Britons and Picts in the year ensuing. Now was the kingdom of the East Saxons drawing to a period, for Sigard and Senfred, the son of Sebi, Having reigned a while, and after them young Offa, who soon quitted his kingdom to go to Rome with Canred, as hath has been said, the government was conferred on Selred, son of Sigbert the Good, who, having ruled thirty-eight years, came to a violent death. Note, post-Christ 746, return to text. How or wherefore is not set down? After whom, Swithrid was the last king. Driven out by Ecbert the West Saxon, but London with the countries adjacent obeyed the Mercians, till they also were dissolved. Cuthred had now reigned about nine years. Note, post Christ 748, to text, when Kenric, his son, a valiant young prince, was in a military tumult slain by his own soldiers. The same year, Eadbert, dying in Kent, his brother Edelbert reigned in his stead. But after two years, note, post-Christ 750, returned to text, the other Eadbert in Northumberland, whose war with the Picts hath been above mentioned, made now such progress there as to subdue Kyle, so saith the octary of Bede, and other counties thereabout, to his dominion, while Cuthred, the West Saxon, had a fight with Ethelon, one of his nobles, note post Christ seven fifty two, returned to text. A stout warrior, envied by him in some matter of the commonwealth, as far as by the Latin of Ethelward can be understood, others interpreted sedition, and with much ado overcoming, took Ethelhun for his valor into favor, by whom faithfully served in the twelfth or thirteenth of his reign, he encountered in a set battle with Ethelbald the Mercian, at Bierford now Burford, in Oxfordshire. One year after, note, post-Christ 753, returned to text against the Welch, which was the last but one of his life. Huntingdon, as his manner is to comment upon the annal text, makes a terrible description of that fight between Cuthred and Ethelbald and the prowess of Ethelon at Burford, but so affectedly and therefore suspiciously that i hold it not worth rehearsal and both in that and the latter conflict he gives victory to cuthred after whom sidgbert it is uncertain by what right as his kinsman, saith Florin, stepped into the throne whom hated for his cruelty and other evil doings kinwulf joining with most of the nobility dispossessed of all his dominions but hampshire that province he lost also within a year Note, post-Christ, 755. Return to text. Together with the love of all those who till then remained his adherents, by slaying Cumbren, one of his chief captains, who for a long time had faithfully served, and now dissuaded him from incensing the people by such tyrannical practices. Thence, flying for safety into Andrew's wood, forsaken of all, he was at length slain by the swineherd of Cumberland in revenge of his master, and Kinwulf, who had an undoubted right to the crown, was joyfully saluted king. The next year, note, post-Christ 756, returned to text, Edberth of the Northumbrian, joining forces with Unust, king of the Picts, so Simeon writes, besieged and took by surrender the city of Alpruith, now Dunbritain and Lennox, from the Britons of Cumberland. And ten days after the whole army perished about Niwongbering, but to tell us how he forgets. In Mercia Ethelbald was slain at a place called Secandun, now Seckington, in Warwickshire, the year following, note, post-Christ seven fifty-seven, returned to text, in a bloody fight against Cuthred, as Huntingdon surmises, but Cuthred was dead two or three years before. Others write him to have been murdered in the night by his own guard, and the treason, as some say, of Beoghred, who succeeded him, but, ere many months, was defeated and slain by Offa. Yet, Ethelbald seems not without cause, after a long and prosperous reign, to have fallen by a violent death, which seems to have been the consequence of his having ventured, on the vain confidence of his many alms, to commit uncleanness with consecrated nuns. Besides laic adulteries, as the Archbishop of Nence in letter taxes him and his predecessor, and that by his example most of his peers did the like, which adulterous doings he foretold him were likely to produce a slothful offspring, good for nothing but to be the ruin of that kingdom, as it fell out not long after the next year, post Christ seven fifty eight Osmond, according to Florence, ruling the South Saxons and Swithrid the east edbert in northumberland following the steps of his predecessor got him into a monk's hood which seems the more to be wondered at as he had reigned worthily twenty-one years with the love and high estimation of all both at home and abroad and was still able to govern and was much entreated by the kings his neighbours not to lay down his charge with an offer on that condition to yield up to him part of their own dominions but he could not be moved from his resolution, and accordingly relinquished his regal office to Oswulf, his son, who at the year's end, though without just cause, was slain by his own servants. Note, Christ 759, return to text. And the year after died Ethelbert, son of Victred, the second of that name in Kent. After Oswulf, Ethelwald, otherwise called Molo, was set up king who in his third year, note, post Christ seven sixty two, returned to text, at a great battle at Eldune by Melrose, slew Oswin, a great lord rebelling, and gained the victory. But the third year after, post Christ seven sixty five, returned to text, fell by the treachery of Alcred, who assumed his place. The fourth year after which, note post-christ 769 return to text cataracta an ancient and fair city in yorkshire was burnt by arned a certain tyrant who the same year came to a like end and after five years more note post-christ 774 return to text Alcred the king deposed and forsaken by all his people flew with a few first to beba a strong city of those parts and thence to Kinnat, King of the Picts, Ethelred, the son of Molo, was crowned in his stead. Meanwhile, Offa, the Mercian, growing powerful, had subdued a neighbouring people who are by Simeon called Hastings, and fought successfully this year with Alric, King of Kent, at a place called Ochenford. The annals also speak of wondrous serpents then seen in Sussex. Nor had Kinwulf the West Saxon given small proof of his valour in several battles against the Welsh heretofore, but this year 775, meeting with Offa at a place called Bessington, was put to the worse, and Offa won the town for which they contended. In Northumberland, note, post-Christ 78, seek, doubtless for 778, returned to text, Ethelred, having caused three of his nobles, Alduf, Kinwolf, and Ecca, treacherously to be slain by two other peers, was himself the next year driven into banishment, Elfold, the son of Oswald, succeeding in his place. Yet this succession also was followed by civil broils, for in his second year, note post Christ 780, returned to text, Oswald and Athelherd, two noblemen, raising forces against him, routed Bern, his general, and pursuing, burned him at a place called solitude i am sensible how wearisome it may likely be to read of so many bare and reasonless actions so many names of kings one after another acting little more than mute persons in a scene what would it be to have inserted the long bead-roll of archbishops bishops abbots abbesses and their doings neither to religion profitable nor to morality swelling my authors each to a voluminous body by me studiously omitted and left as their property who have a mind to write the ecclesiastical matters of those ages neither do i care to wrinkle the smoothness of history with rugged names of places unknown better harped at in camden and other chorographers. six years therefore passed over in silence as holy of such argument Bring us note post Christ seven eighty six, returned to text, to relate next the unfortunate end of Kinwolf, the West Saxon, who, having laudably reigned about thirty one years, yet suspecting that Kinyard, brother of sigbert the former king, intended to usurp the crown after his decease, or revenge his brother's expulsion, had commanded him into banishment, but he lurking here and there on the borders with a small company having had intelligence that kinwulf was in the country thereabout, at Marantum or merton in surrey at the house of a woman whom he loved went by night and beset the place kinwulf overconfident either of his royal presence or personal valour issuing forth with a few about him runs fiercely at kinyard and wounds him sore but by his followers hemmed in is killed among them the report of so great an accident soon running to a place not far off where many more attendants awaited the king's return osric and wiver two earls hasted with a great number to the house where kinyard and his fellows yet remained he seeing himself surrounded with fair words and promises of great gifts attempted to appease them but those being rejected with disdain writes it out to the last, and is slain with all but one or two of his retinue, which were nigh a hundred. Kinwulf was succeeded by Berthring, being both descended from curdic the founder of that kingdom. Not better was the end of Elfwald in Northumberland two years after, slain miserably by the conspiracy of Sigan, one of his nobles, or as others say, of the whole people, at Silchester by the Roman wall yet undeservedly as his sepulchre at hagustald now hexham-upon-tyne and some miracles there said to be done are alleged to witness and sigon five years after laid violent hands on himself osrid son of alcrit advanced into the room of elfwald and within one year driven out left his seat vacant to ethelred son of molo who after ten years banishment imprisonment saith had the sceptre put again into his hand. Note, post-Christ 789, return to text. The third year of Berthric, king of the West Saxons, gave beginning from abroad to a new and fatal revolution of calamity on this land. For three Danish ships, the first that had been seen here of that nation, arriving in the West, to visit these as was supposed foreign merchants, The king's gatherer of customs taking horse from Dorchester found them to be spies and enemies for being commanded to come and give account of their lading at the king's custom house they slew him and all that came with him as an earnest of the many slaughters rapins and hostilities which they returned not long after to commit over all the island of this Danish first arrival and on a sudden worse than hostile aggression the danish history far otherwise relates as if their landing had been at the mouth of the humber and their spoilful march far into the country though soon repelled by the inhabitants they hasted back as fast to their ships but from what cause what reason of state what authority or public counsel the invasion proceeded it makes not mention And it excites our wonder yet the more by telling us that Siegfried, then King of Denmark and long after, was a man studious more of peace and quiet than of warlike matters. These, therefore, seem rather to have been some wanderers at sea, who, with public commission or without, through love of spoil or hatred of Christianity, seeking booties on any land of Christians, came by chance or weather on this shore. The next year post Christ seven hundred ninety returned to text, Osred in Northumberland, who, driven out by his nobles, had given place to Ethelred, was taken and forcibly shaved a month at York, and the year after post Christ seven ninety one, returned to Text, Ulf and Olfwin, sons of Elfwald, formerly king, were drawn by fair promises from the principal church of York. And after, by command of Ethelred, cruelly put to death, at one Waldremere, a village by the great pool in Lancashire. Nor was the third year less bloody, note, post-Christ 792, return to text, For Osred, who, not liking a shaven crown, had desired banishment, and obtained it, Returning from the Isle of Man with small forces, at the secret but deceitful call of certain nobles, Who by oath had promised to assist him were also taken and by ethelred dealt with in the same manner, who the better to avouch his cruelties thereupon married Elfled the daughter of Offa, for in Offa was found as little faith as mercy. He the same year having drawn to his palace ethelbright king of the East Angles with fair invitations to marry his daughter caused him to be there inhospitably beheaded and his kingdom wrongfully seized by the wicked counsel of his wife saith matthew of westminster annexing thereto a long and unlikely tale for which violence and bloodshed to make atonement with friars at least he bestows the relics of st alban in a shrine of pearl and gold far worse it fared the next year with the relics in lindisfarne where the danes landing pillaged that monastery and of friars killed some and carried away others captive sparing neither priests nor laymen which many strange thunders and fiery dragons with other impressions in the air seen frequently before were judged to foresignify. this year ulric third son of victrid ended in kent his long reign of thirty-four years with him ended the race of hengist thenceforth whomsoever wealthful faction advanced took on him the name and state of a king the saxon annals of seven hundred and eighty-four named eilmund then reigning in kent but that consists not with the time of Alric, and i find him nowhere else mentioned the year following note post christ 794 returned to text was remarkable for the death of Offa the Mercian, a strenuous and subtle king. He had much intercourse with Charles the Great, at first in enmity to the interdicting of commerce on either side, at length in much amity and firm league, as appears by the letter of Charles himself, yet extant, procured by Alcuin, a learned and prudent man, though a monk, whom the kings of england in those days had sent orator into france to maintain good correspondence between them and charles the great he granted saith huntingdon a perpetual tribute to the pope out of every house in his kingdom for yielding perhaps to translate the primacy of canterbury to lichfield in his own dominion he drew a trench of wondrous length between mercia and the british confines from sea to sea the son of offa a prince of great hope who also had been crowned nine years before his father's decease restoring to the church what his father had seized on yet within four months by a sickness ended his reign and to Kenulf, next in the right of the same progeny bequeathed his kingdom meanwhile the danish pirates who still wasted northumberland venturing on shore to spoil another monastery at the mouth of the river don were assailed by the English, and their chief captains slain on the place. then returning to sea, were most of them shipwrecked, others driven again on shore were put all to the sword. Simeon attributes this their punishment to the power of St. Cudbert, offended with them for the rifling his convent. Two years after this died Ethelred note post christ seven ninety six returned text twice king but not exempted at last from the fate of many of his predecessors, being miserably slain by his people, some say deservedly, as not unconscious with them who trained Osred to his ruin. Osbald, a nobleman exalted to the throne, and in less than a month deserted and expelled, was forced to fly from Lindisfarne by sea to the Pictish king, and died an abbot. whom ethelred six years before had commanded to be put to death at ripon before the abbey gate dead as was supposed and with solemn dirge carried into the church and yet after midnight found there alive i mean not how then banished now recalled was in York created king in kent ethelbert or pren whom the annals call edbright so different they often are from one another both in timing and in naming By some means having usurped regal power, after two years' reign contending with Kenulf the Mercian was by him taken prisoner, and soon after, out of pious commiseration, let go. But not being received of his own, what became of him, Malmesbury leaves in doubt. Asimian writes that Kenulf commanded to put out his eyes and lop off his hands, but whether the sentence were executed or not is left much in doubt by his want of expression. The second year after this, they in Northumberland, who had conspired against Ethelred, note post seven ninety eight, returned to text. Now also raising war against eardulf under Wada their chief captain, after much havoc on either side at Longhoe, near Whalley in Lancashire, the conspirators at last flying, eardulf returned with victory. The same year, London with a great multitude of her inhabitants. By a sudden fire was consumed. The year eight hundred made way for great alteration in England, uniting her seven kingdoms into one by Ecbert, the famous West Saxon. Him, Berthric, dying childless, left next to reign the only survivor of that lineage, descended from Inegild, the brother of King Ina, and according to his birth, liberally bred he began early from his youth to give signal hopes of more than ordinary worth growing up in him, which Berthric fearing, and with all his juster title to the crown, secretly sought his life, and Ekbert perceiving fled to Offa the Mercian. But he, having married Idberg, his daughter, to Berthric, easily gave ear to his ambassadors, coming to require Ekbert. He again put to his shifts, escaped thence into France but after three years banishment there which perhaps contributed much to his education charles the great then reigning he was called over by the public voice for Berthric was newly dead and with general applause created king of the west saxons the same day ethelmund at kinnersford passing over with the worcestershire men was met by wailston another nobleman with those of wiltshire between whom happened a great fray, wherein the Wiltshire men overcame, but both dukes were slain, and no reason of their quarrel was assigned. Such bickerings to recount, met often in these our writers. What more worth is it than to chronicle the wars of kites or crows flocking and fighting in the air? The year following, note post Christ eight hundred one, returned to text. Eardulf the Northumbrian leading forth an army against kenwulf the mercian for harbouring certain of his enemies by the diligent mediation of other princes and prelates arms were laid aside and amity soon sworn between them but eedburga the wife of berthric a woman every way wicked in malice especially cruel could not or cared not to appease the general hatred justly conceived against her having been accustomed in her husband's day to accuse Any whom she spited, and not prevailing to his ruin, her practice was, by poison, secretly to contrive his death. It fortuned that the king, her husband, lighting on a cup which she had tempered, not for him, but for one of his great favourites, whom she could not harm by accusing, sipped thereof only, and in a while after, still pining away, ended his days. The favourite, drinking deeper, found speedier its fatal effect. She, fearing to be questioned for these acts, fled over sea, with what treasure she had, to Charles the Great, whom, with rich gifts coming to his presence, the Emperor courtly received with this pleasant proposal. Choose, Edberger, which of us two thou wilt, me or my son, for his son stood near him, to be thy husband she no dissembler of what she liked best made easy answer were it in my choice i should choose of the two your son rather as the younger man to whom the emperor between jest and earnest hadst thou chosen me i had bestowed on thee my son but since thou hast chosen him thou shalt have neither him nor me nevertheless he assigned her A rich monastery to dwell in as abbess for that life it may seem she chose next to profess but being a while after detected of unchastity with one of her followers she was commanded to depart thence and from that time wandering poorly up and down with one servant in pavia a city in italy she finished at last in beggary her shameful life in the year 805 Cuthred, whom Kenulf the Mercian had instead of Pren made king in Kent, having obscurely reigned eight years, deceased. In Northumberland, Irdulf, the year following, was driven out of his realm by Alfold post Christ 806, returned text, who reigned two years in his room. After whom Indred, son of Irdulf, reigned thirty-three years but i see not how this can stand with the sequel of story out of better authors much less that which buchanan relates the year following post christ 808 returned text of achaeus king of scots who having reigned thirty-two years and dying in 809 had formerly aided but in what year of his reign he tells not hungus king of the picts with ten thousand Scots against Athelstan, a Saxon or Englishman, who was then wasting the Pictish borders. That Hungus, by the aid of those Scots and help of St. Andrew, their patron, in a vision by night and the appearance of his cross by day, routed the astonished English and slew Athelstan in fight. Who this Athelstan was, I believe no man knows. Buchanan supposes him to have been some Danish commander, on whom King Allured, or Alfred, had bestowed Northumberland. But of this I find no footstep in our ancient writers, and if any such thing were done in the time of Alfred, it must be little less than a hundred years after. This Athelstan, therefore, and this great overthrow, seems rather to have been the fancy of some legend than any warrantable record. Meanwhile, note post eight hundred thirteen to text. Ecbert, having with much prudence, justice, and clemency, a work of more than one year, established his kingdom and himself in the affections of his people. Turns his first enterprise against the Britons, both them of Cornwall and those beyond Severn, subduing both. In Mercia, Kenulf, the sixth year after, note post priced 819, returned text, having reigned with great praise of his religious mind and virtues, both in peace and war, deceased. His son, Canelm, a child of seven years, was committed to the care of his elder sister, Quendred, who, with a female ambition aspiring to the crown, hired one who had the charge of his nurture to murder him, led into a woody place upon pretense of hunting. The murder, as is reported, was miraculously revealed, but to tell how, by a dove dropping a written note on the altar at Rome, is a long story, told, though out of order, by Malmesbury, and under the year 821 by Matthew of Westminster, where I leave it to be sought by such as are more credulous than I wish my readers to be, only the note was to this purpose, lo in a mead of kine, under a thorn of head bereft lies poor Kenelm king born, the brother of Kenulf, after one year's reign, was driven out by one Bernulf, an usurper post Christ eight twenty return to text, who, in his third year, is uncertain whether invading or invaded was, by Eckbert, though with great loss on both sides, overthrown, and put to flight at Ellen Dune, or Wilton. Yet Malmesbury accounts this battle to have been fought in 806, a wide difference, but frequently found in their computations. Bernulf, thence retiring to the East Angles as part of his dominion by the late seizure of Offa, was by them met in the field and slain. But they doubting what the mercians might do in revenge hereof forthwith yielded themselves both king and people to the sovereignty of ecbert as for the kings of the east angles our annals mention them not since ethelwald him succeeded his brother's sons as we find in malmesbury adolf a good king well acquainted with bede and elwald who left the kingdom to bjorn and he to ethelred the father of Ethelbright, whom Offa pervitiously put to death. Simeon and Hovedon in the year 749 write that Elfwald, king of the East Angles, dying, Humbiana and Albert shared the kingdom between them. But where to insert this among the former successions is not easy, nor much material to determine. After Ethelbright, none is named as king of that kingdom, till they are submitting now to Ekberg. He, from this victory against Bernulf, sent part of his army under ethelwulf his son, with Alston, bishop of Sherburne, and Wulfred, a chief commander, into Kent, who, finding Baldred there reigning in his eighteenth year, overcame and drove him over the Thames, whereupon all Kent, Surrey, Sussex, and lastly Essex, with their king Swithrid, became subject to the dominion of Eckbert. Neither were these all his exploits of this year, the first in order set down in the saxon annals being his fight against the devonshire welsh at a place called gaffelford now camelford in cornwall luciden the mercian after two years preparing to avenge bernulf his kinsman on the east angles was by them with his five consuls as the annals call them surprised and put to the sword and withlaf his successor first vanquished then upon submission with all mercia made tributary to ecbert meanwhile the northumbrian kingdom of itself was fallen to shivers their kings one after another so often slain by the people no men daring though never so ambitious to take up the sceptre which many had found so hot the only effectual cure of ambition that i have read for the space of thirty-three years after the death of ethelred son of molo as malmesbury writes There was no king, and many noblemen and prelates had fled the country. Which misrule among them, the Danes, having understood, oft-times from their ships entering far into the land, infested those parts with wide depopulation, wasting towns, churches, and monasteries, for the Danes were as yet heathens. The Lent before whose coming, on the north side of St. Peter's Church in York, it was seen from the roof to rain blood. The causes of these calamities and the ruin of that kingdom, Alcuin, a learned monk living in those days, attributes in several epistles, and well may, to the general ignorance and decay of learning which crept in among them after the death of Bede and of Ecbert the archbishop, their neglect of breeding up youth in the scriptures, the spruce and gay apparel of their priests and nuns, discovering their vain and wanton minds. Examples are also read even in Beda's days of their wanton deeds. Thence altars defiled with perjuries, cloisters violated with adulteries, the land polluted with the blood of their princes, civil dissensions among the people, and finally, all the same vices which Gildas alleged of old to have ruined the Britons. In this estate, Ecbert, who had now conquered all the south, finding them in the year 827, for he was marched thither with an army to complete his conquest of the whole island, no wonder if they submitted themselves to the yoke without resistance, Indred, their king, becoming tributary. Thence, turning his forces the year following, note post-Christ 828, return to text, he subdued more thoroughly what remained of North Wales. End of the fourth book of The History of Britain by John Milton. Recording by Thomas Copeland. book five part one of the history of britain by john milton this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by thomas copeland the fifth book the sum of things in this island or the best part thereof being reduced now under the power of one man and him one of the worthiest which as far as can be found in good authors was by none attained at any time here before unless in fables men might with some reason have expected from such a happy union the blessings of peace and plenty, greatness, and the flourishing of all estates and degrees. But far the contrary fell out soon after. Namely, invasion, spoil, desolation, slaughter of many, slavery of the rest, by the forcible landing of a fierce nation, Danes, commonly called, and sometimes Dacians by others, the same with Normans as barbarous as the saxons themselves were at first reputed and much more for the saxons were at first invited and came hither to dwell but these unsent for unprovoked came only to destroy but if the saxons as is above related came most of them from jutland and angland a part of denmark as danish writers affirm and that danes and normans are the same then in this invasion danes drove out danes their own posterity and normans afterwards drove out none but more ancient normans which invasion perhaps had the heptarchy stood divided as it was would have either not been attempted or not uneasily resisted while each prince and people excited by their nearest concernments would have more industriously defended their own bounds than when depending on the neglect of a deputed governor, sent oft-times from the remote residence of a secure monarch. Though as it fell out in those troubles, the lesser kingdoms revolting from the West Saxon yoke, and not aiding each other but being too much concerned for their own safety, it came to no better pass, while severally they sought to repel the danger nigh at hand, rather than jointly to prevent it far off. But when God hath decreed servitude on a sinful nation, fitted by their own vices for no condition but servile, all estates of government are alike unable to avoid it. God hath purposed to punish our instrumental punishers, though now Christians, by other heathen invaders, according to his divine retaliation. Invasion for invasion, spoil for spoil, destruction for destruction, the Saxons, were now full as wicked as the Britons had been at the first arrival of the Saxons in Britain under Hengist and Horsa, being given up to luxury and sloth, either secular or superstitious. For laying aside the exercise of arms and the study of all virtuous knowledge, some betook them to overworldly or vicious practice, others to religious idleness and solitude, which brought forth nothing but vain and elusive visions easily perceived to be such by the commanding of things either not belonging to the gospel or utterly forbidden. Ceremonies, relics, monasteries, masses, idols. Add to these the ostentation of giving alms, with money got off times by rapine and oppression, or intermixed with violent and lustful deeds, sometimes prodigally bestowed as the expiation of acts of cruelty and bloodshed. What longer suffering could there be, when religion itself grew so void of sincerity, and the greatest shows of purity were impured? Ecbert, Eckbert, in full height of glory, having now enjoyed his conquest seven peaceful years, his victorious army long since disbanded, and the exercise of arms perhaps laid aside, the moor was found unprovided against a sudden storm of Danes from the sea, who, landing in the thirty-second year of his reign, note post-Christ 832, to text, wasted Sheppey in Kent. Eckbert, the next year, gathering an army, for he had heard of their arrival in thirty-five ships, gave them battle by the river Carr in Dorsetshire. The event whereof was that the Danes kept their ground, and encamped where the field was fought, and two Saxon leaders, Dudda and Osmond, and two bishops, as some say, were there slain. This was the only check of fortune we read of that Eckbert in all his time received. For the Danes, returning two years after with a great navy, and joining forces with the Cornish, who had entered into a league with them, were overthrown and put to flight. Of these invasions against Eckbert, the Danish history is not silent, whether out of their own records or ours may be justly doubted, for of these times at home I find them in much uncertainty, and beholden rather to outlandish chronicles than any records of their own. The victor Eckbert, as one who had done enough, seasonably now, after prosperous success, the next year, with glory, ended his days, and was buried at Winchester. Note post-Christ 835. Return to text. Ethelwolf. Ethelwolf, the son of Ecbert, succeeded him in the government, and is described by Malmesbury as a man of a mild nature, not inclined to war or delighted with much dominion. That therefore contented with the ancient West Saxon bounds, he gave to Ethelstan his brother, or son, as some write, the kingdoms of Kent and Essex, but the Saxon annalist whose authority is elder, saith plainly that both these countries and Sussex were bequeathed to Ethelston by ecbert his father. The unwarlike disposition of Ethelwolf gave encouragement, no doubt, and easier entrance to the Danes, who came again the next year with thirty-three ships post christ eight thirty seven return to text, but Wolford, one of the king's chief captains. Drove them back at Southampton with great slaughter, himself dying the same year, of old age, as I suppose, for he seems to have been one of Ecbert's old commanders, who was sent with Ethelwolf to subdue Kent. Ethel Helm, another of the king's captains, with the Dorsetshire men, had at first like success against the Danes at Portsmouth, but they, being soon after reinforced, stood their ground, and put the English to rout worse was the success of earl Herebert at a place called mere's war being slain with the most part of his army the year following post christ 838 returned to text in lindsay also and the country of the east angles and kent much mischief was done by their landing where the next year emboldened by success they came on as far as canterbury rochester and london itself with no less cruel hostility, and giving no respite to the peaceable mind of Ethelwulf, they yet returned with the next year, post Christ eight forty, returned to text, in thirty-five ships. Fought with him as before with his father at the river Car, and made good their ground. In Northumberland, Ingrid, the tributary king deceasing, left the same tenure to his son Ethelred who was driven out in his fourth year. Note, Christ 844, returned to text, and succeeded by Redwolf, who soon after his coronation, hasting forth to battle against the Danes at Alvethely, fell with the most part of his army. And Ethelred, like in fortune to the former Ethelred, was re-exalted to his seat, and, to be yet further like him in fate, was slain the fourth year after. Osbert succeeded in his room. But more southerly the Danes next year after post christ 845 returned to text met with some stop in the full course of their outrageous insolencies for eunolf with the men of Somerset Alston the bishop and Osric with those of Dorsetshire setting upon them at the river's mouth at Pedredon slaughtered them in great numbers and obtained a just victory this repulse quelled them for aught we hear the space of six years, then also renewing their invasion with little better success post Christ eight fifty one text for Curel and Earl aided with the forces of Devonshire, assaulted and overthrew them at Wigenjk with great destruction, as prosperously were they fought with the same year at Sandwich by King Ethelstan, and Ilker his general, their great army defeated and nine of their ships taken and the rest driven off however to ride out the winter on that shore asser saith they then first wintered in Sheppey isle hard it is through the bad expression of these writers to define this fight whether it were by sea or land hovedon terms it a sea fight nevertheless with fifty ships asser and others at three hundred they entered the mouth of the thames and made excursions as far as Canterbury and London, and as Ethelwerd writes, destroyed both. Of London, Asser signifies only that they pillaged it. Bertuf also, the Mercian, successor to Withlaf, with all his army, they forced to fly, and him to go beyond the sea. Then passing over the Thames with their powers into Surrey, and the country of the West Saxons, and meeting there with King ethelwolf and Ethelbald his son, at a place called Ackley or Oakley, they received a total defeat with memorable slaughter. This was counted a lucky year to England, post Christ eight fifty-three, returned to text, and brought to Ethelwolf great reputation. Burhead therefore, who after Bertolt held of him the Mercian kingdom, two years after this, imploring his aid against the North Welsh as then troublesome to his confines obtained it of him in person and thereby reduced them to obedience this done ethelwulf sent his son alfred a child of five years of age well accompanied to rome whom leo the pope both consecrated to be king afterwards and adopted to be his son at home ilker with the forces of kent and huda with those of surrey fell on the danes at their landing in tanat and at first put them back, but the slain and drowned were at length so many on either side as left the lost equal on both, which yet hindered not the solemnity of a marriage at the feast of Easter between Burhead the Mercian and Suida, King Ethelwolf's daughter. Howbeit the Danes the next year, note post Christ 854, returned to text, wintered again in Sheppey. Whereupon Ethelwolf, not finding human help sufficient to resist them, as they were growing daily upon him, in hope of divine aid, registered in a book and dedicated to God the tenth part of his own lands, and of his whole kingdom, eased of all inquisitions, but converted to the maintenance of masses and psalms, weekly to be sung for the prospering of Ethelwolf and his captains, as appears at large by the patent itself in William of Montsbury. Asrseth er he did it for the redemption of his soul and the souls of his ancestors. After which, as having done some great matter to show himself at Rome and be applauded of the Pope, he takes a long and cumbersome journey thither with young Alfred again, post price eight fifty five returned to text, and there stays a year when his office of king required him rather to have stayed here in the field against pagan enemies who were left wintering in his land yet so much manhood he had as to return thence no monk and in his way home he took to wife judith daughter of charles the bald king of france but ere his return ethelbald his eldest son alston his trusty bishop and enolf earl of somerset conspired against him their complaints were that he had taken with him alfred his youngest son to be their inaugurated king and brought home with them an outlandish wife for which they endeavoured to deprive him of his kingdom the disturbance was expected to bring forth nothing less than war but the king abhorring civil discord after many conferences tending to peace condescended to divide the kingdom with his son division was made but the matter so carried that the eastern and worst part was malignly afforded to the father the western and best given to the son at which many of the nobles had great indignation, offering to the king their utmost assistance for the recovery of all, whom he peacefully dissuading sat down contented with his portion assigned. In the kingdom of the East Angles, Edmund, lineal from the ancient stock of those kings, a youth of fourteen years only but of great hopes, was with consent of all but his own, crowned at Bury, about this time, as Buchanan relates (note post Christ 857), returned to text, the Picts, who not long before had by the Scots been driven out of their country, part of them coming to Osbert and Ella, then kings of Northumberland, obtained aid against Donaldus, the Scottish king, to recover their ancient possession. Osbert, who in person undertook the expedition, marching into Scotland, was at first put to a retreat. But returning soon after on the Scots, who were over secure of their supposed victory, put them to flight with great slaughter, took prisoner their king, and pursued his victory beyond Stirling Bridge. The Scots, unable to resist longer, and by ambassadors entreating peace, had it granted them on these conditions. The Scots were to quit all they had possessed within the wall of Severus. The limits of Scotland were beneath Stirling Bridge to be the river Forth and on the other side Dunbritain Frith from that time so called of the British then seated Cumberland who had joined with Osbert in this action and so far extended on that side the British limits if this be true as the Scots writers themselves witness and who would think them fabulous to the disparagement of their own country how much wanting have been our historians to their country's honour in letting pass unmentioned an exploit so memorable by them remembered and attested, who are wont oftener to extenuate than to amplify aught done in Scotland by the English. Donaldus, having been on these conditions released, soon after dies, according to Buchanan in 858. Ethelwolf, chief king in England, had the year before ended his life and was buried, as his father had been, at Winchester he was from his youth much addicted to devotion so that in his father's time he was ordained bishop of winchester and rather unwillingly but for want of other legitimate issue of his father succeeded him in the throne managing therefore his greatest affairs by the activity of two bishops Alston of sherburne and swithin of winchester but Alston is noted of covetousness and oppression by william of malmesbury the more vehemently, no doubt, for doing some notable damage to that monastery. The same author writes that Ethelwulf at Rome paid a tribute to the Pope, continued to his days. However, he were facile to his son and seditious nobles in yielding up part of his kingdom, yet his queen he treated not the less honourably for whomsoever it displeased. The West Saxons had decreed ever since the time of Eadberga, the infamous wife of Berthric, that no queen should sit in state with the king or be dignified with the title of queen. But Ethelwolf permitted not that Judith his queen should lose any point of regal state by that law. At his death he divided the kingdom between his two sons Ethelbald and Ethelbert. to the younger Kent, Essex, Surrey and Sussex, to the elder all the rest, to Peter and Paul certain revenues yearly, for what uses, let others relate, who write also his pedigree from son to father, up to Adam. Ethelbald and Ethelbert Ethelbald, unnatural and disloyal to his father, fell justly into another, though contrary sin, of too much love for his father's wife, and whom at first he opposed coming into the land, her now unlawfully marrying he takes into his bed, but not long enjoying died at three years' end note post Christ eight sixty returned to text without doing aught more worthy to be remembered, having reigned two years with his father impiously usurping and three after him as unworthily inheriting and his hap was all that while to be unmolested with the Danes not of divine favour doubtless but to his greater condemnation, living the more securely his incestuous life Huntingdon, on the other side, much praises Ethelbald, and writes him buried at Sherburne with great sorrow of the people who missed him long after. Matthew of Westminster saith that he repented his incest with Judith, and dismissed her. But Asser, an eyewitness of those times, mentions no such thing. Ethelbert alone. Ethelbald by death removed, the whole kingdom became rightful to Ethelbert, his next brother who, though a prince of great virtue and no blame, had a shorter reign allotted him as his faulty brother, nor that so peaceful, having been once or twice invaded by the Danes. But they, having landed in the west with a great army and sacked Winchester, were met by Osric, Earl of Southampton, and Ethelwolf of Berkshire, beaten to their ships and forced to leave their booty. Five years after, note, post-christ 860 returned to text about the time of his death they set foot again in tenet the kentish men wearied out with so frequent alarms came to agreement with them for a certain sum of money but ere the peace could be ratified and the money gathered the danes impatient of delay by a sudden eruption in the night soon wasted all the east of kent meanwhile or something before ethelbert deceasing was buried as his brother at Sherburne. Ethelred, Ethelred, the third son of Ethelwolf, at his first coming to the crown, was entertained with a fresh invasion of Danes. Note, post Christ eight sixty six. Return to text. Led by Wingar and Hubba, two brothers, who now had got footing among the East Angles, there they wintered, and coming to terms of peace with the inhabitants. Furnished themselves with horses, forming by that means many troops with riders of their own. These pagans, Asuseth, came from the river Nanubius. Fitted thus for a long expedition, they ventured the next year to make their way overland and over the Humber as far as York, and there they found to their hands the inhabitants embroiled in civil dissensions. Their king Osbert they had thrown out, and ella leader of another faction chosen in his room who both though late admonished by their common danger towards the year's end with united powers made head against the danes and prevailed but pursuing them over eagerly into york then but slenderly walled the northumbrians were everywhere slaughtered both within and without their kings also both slain their city burnt saith The rest, as they could, made their peace overrun and vanquished as far as the river Tyne, and Egbert, of English race, appointed king over them. Brompton, no ancient author, for he wrote since Matthew of Westminster, nor of much credit, writes a particular cause of the Danes coming to York, that Bruern, a nobleman, whose wife King Osbert had ravished, called in Hingwar and Huppa to revenge him. The example is remarkable, if the truth were as evident, thence victorious, the Danes next year post Christ eight sixty eight returned text, entered into Mercia towards Nottingham, where they spent the winter. Burhead, then king of that country, unable to resist, implores the aid of Ethelred and young Alfred, his brother. They assembling their forces, and joining with the Mercians about Nottingham, offered battle. The Danes, not daring to come forth, kept themselves within that town and castle, so that no great fight was hazarded there. At length, the Mercians, weary of long suspense, entered into conditions of peace with their enemies, after which the Danes, returning back to York, made their abode there the space of one year. Note, post-Christ, 869 return to text committing some say many cruelties thence embarking to Lindsay and all summer destroying that country about september they came with like fury into Kesteven, another part of lincolnshire where algar the earl of howland now holland with his forces and two hundred stout soldiers belonging to the abbey of croyland three hundred from about boston morcard lord of brune with his numerous family, well-trained and armed, Osgut, governor of Lincoln, with five hundred of that city, all joining together gave battle to the Danes, slew of them a great multitude with three of their kings, and pursued the rest to their tents. But the night following, Gothron, Basig, Oscatil, Halfton, and Hammond, five kings, and as many earls, Freena, Quingar, Hubba, Sidrock, the elder and younger, coming in from several parts with great forces and spoils, great part of the English began to slink home. Nevertheless Algar with such as forsook him not, all next day in order of battle facing the Danes, and sustaining unmoved the brunt of their assaults, could not withhold his men at last from pursuing their counterfeited flight, whereby opened and disordered, they fell into the snare of their enemies, rushing back upon them. Algar and those captains forenamed with him, all resolute men, retreating to a hillside, and slaying of such as followed them manifold of their own number, died at length upon heaps of dead which they had made round about them. The Danes, thence passing on into the country of the East Angles, rifled and burnt the monastery of Ely, overthrew Earl with his whole army and lodged out the winter at thetford where king edmund assailing them was with his whole army put to flight himself taken bound to a stake and shot to death with arrows and his whole country subdued the next year note post christ 871 returned to text with great supplies saith huntington Bending their march towards the West Saxons, the only people, now left, in whom might seem yet to remain any strength or courage, likely to oppose them, they came to Reading, fortified there between the two rivers of Thames and Kennet, and about three days after sent out wings of horse under two earls to forage the country. But Ethelwolf, Earl of Berkshire, at Englefield, a village nigh, encountered them slew one of their earls, and obtained a great victory. Four days after came the king himself, and his brother Alfred, with the main battle. And the Danes issuing forth a bloody fight began, with on either side great slaughter, in which Earl Ethelwolf lost his life. But the Danes, losing no ground, kept their place of standing to the end. Neither did the English, for this, make less haste to another conflict in Escusdu or ashdown four days after where both armies with their whole force on either side met the danes were embattled in two great bodies the one led by bascai and halfdan their two kings the other by such earls as were appointed in like manner the english divided their powers ethelred the king stood against their kings and though on the lower ground and coming later into the battle from his orisons gave a fierce onset, wherein Bascai, the Danish history names him Ivarus, the son of Regnerus, was slain. Alfred was placed against the earls, and, beginning the battle ere his brother came into the field, with such resolution charged them that in the shock most of them were slain. They are named Sidrock, Elder and Younger, Osborne, Freem, Harold at length in both divisions the danes turn their backs many thousands of them are cut off and the rest pursued till night so much the more it may be wondered to hear next in the annals that the danes fourteen days after such an overthrow fighting again with ethelred and his brother alfred at basing under conduct saith the danish history of Agnarus and hubbo brothers of the slain ivarus should obtain the victory especially since the new supply of Danes mentioned by Asser arrived after this action. But after two months the king and his brother fought with them again at Merton, in two squadrons as before, in which fight hard it is to understand who had the better, so darkly do the Saxon annals deliver their meaning with more than wanted infancy. Yet these I take, for Asser is here silent, to be the chief fountain of our story, the ground and basis upon which the monks later in time gloss and comment at their pleasure nevertheless it appears that on the saxon part not hemond the bishop only but many valiant men lost their lives this fight was followed by a heavy summer plague whereof as is thought king ethelred died in the fifth year of his reign and was buried at Winburn, where his epitaph inscribes that he had his death's wound by the danes according to the danish history in the year 872 of all these terrible landings and devastations by the danes from the days of Ethelwolf till their two last battles with Ethelred, or of their leaders whether kings dukes or earls the danish history of best credit saith nothing so little wit or conscience it seems they had to leave any memory of their brutish rather than manly actions, unless we shall suppose them to have come, as above was cited, out of Asser from Danubius rather than from Denmark, more probably some barbarous nation of Prussia or Livonia, not long before seated more northward on the Baltic Sea. Alfred. Alfred, the fourth son of Ethelwolf had scarce performed his brother's obsequies in the solemnity of his own crowning when at the month's end in haste with a small power he encountered the whole army of danes at wilton and most part of the day foiled them but unwarily following the chase gave others of them the advantage to rally who returning upon him now weary remained masters of the field this year as is affirmed in the annals Nine battles had been fought against the Danes on the south side of Thames, besides innumerable excursions made by Alfred and other leaders. One king and nine earls were fallen in fight, so that, weary on both sides at the year's end, a league or truce was concluded. Yet next year, note, post-Christ 872, returned text, the Danes took their march to London now exposed to their prey there they wintered and thither came the mercians to renew peace with them the year following they rode back to the parts beyond the humber but wintered in Torxy in lincolnshire where the mercians now for the third time made peace with them notwithstanding which removing their camp to rependune in mercia now ripton upon trent in derbyshire and there wintering Post Christ 873. Return to text. They constrained Burhead the king to fly into foreign parts, making seizure of his kingdom. He, running the direct way to Rome with better reason than his ancestors. Note Post Christ 874. Return to text. Died there, and was buried in a church by the English school. His kingdom the Danes farmed out to Kelwolf, one of his household servants or officers with condition to be resigned to them when they commanded from rependun they dislodged note post christ 875 return to text havden their king leading part of his army northward wintered by the river tyne and subjecting all those quarters wasted also the country of the picts and british beyond but guthrun oscatel and anwind other three of their kings Moving from Rependune, came with a great army to Grantbrig, and remained there a whole year. But Alfred, that summer, proposing to try his fortune with a fleet at sea, for he had found that the want of shipping and the neglect of navigation had exposed the land to these piracies, met with seven Danish rovers and took one, the rest escaping. An acceptable success from so small a beginning. For the English at that time were but little experienced in sea affairs. The next year's first motion of the Danes (note post Christ 876) returned to text was toward Warham Castle, where Alfred, meeting them either by policy or their doubt of his power, Ethelward saith by money, brought them to such terms of peace as that they swore to him upon a hallowed bracelet; others say upon certain relics. A solemn oath, it seems, which they never vouchsafed before to any other nation, forthwith to depart the land, but falsifying that oath by night, with all the horse they had, Asser saith, slaying all the horsemen he had, stole to Exeter and there wintered, in Northumberland. Haften their king began to settle to divide the land to till and to inhabit. Meanwhile, they in the west, who were marched to Exeter, entered the city coursing now and then to warham but their fleet the next year post 877, to Text, sailing or rowing about the west met with such a tempest near to swanswich or navawick as wrecked one hundred and twenty of their ships and left the rest easy to be mastered by those galleys which alfred had set there to guard the seas and straighten exeter of provision he the while beleaguering them in the city now humbled with the loss of their navy, two navies, saith Asher, the one at Navawick, the other at Swanwin, distressed them so as that they gave him as many hostages as he required, and as many oaths to keep their covenanted peace, and kept it. For the summer coming on, they departed into Mercia, where a part they divided among themselves, part left to Kelwolf for their substituted king. The twelfth-tide following, Note, post Christ 878. returned to text. All oaths forgotten, they came to Chippenham in Wiltshire, dispeopling the counties round, dispossessing some, and driving others beyond the sea. Alfred himself, with a small company, was forced to keep within woods and fenny places, and for some time all alone, as Florence saith, sojourned with Dunwolf a spoiler. Who was made afterwards for his devotion and aptness to learning bishop of winchester halfton and the brother of hingar coming with twenty-three ships from north wales where they had made great spoil landed in devonshire nigh to a strong castle named kinwyn where by the garrison issuing forth unexpectedly they were slain with twelve hundred of their men meanwhile the king about easter not despairing of his affairs built a fortress at a place called Athelney, in Somersetshire, therein valiantly defending himself and his followers, frequently sallying forth. The seventh week after, he rode out to a place called Eckbrightstone, in the east part of Selwood. Thither resorted to him, with much gratulation, the Somerset and Wiltshire men, with many out of Hampshire, some of whom, a little before, had fled their country. With these marching to Ethendune, now Eddington and Wiltshire, he gave battle to the whole Danish power and put them to flight. Then besieging their castle, within fourteen days, took it. Malmesbury writes that in this time of his recess, to go a spy into the Danish camp, he took upon him, with one servant, the habit of a fiddler. By this means, gaining access to the king's table and sometimes to his bedchamber, got knowledge of their secrets, their careless encamping, and thereby this opportunity of assailing them on a sudden. The Danes, by this misfortune broken, gave him more hostages, and renewed their oaths to depart out of his kingdom. Their king, Gitro or Gothron, offered willingly to receive baptism, and accordingly came with thirty of his friends to a place called Aldra, or Alra, near to Athelney, and were baptised at Wedmore, where Alfred received him out of the font, and named him Athelstan, after which they abode with him twelve days, and were dismissed with rich presents, whereupon the Danes removed next year, note post-Christ 879, returned to text, to Sysiter, thence peaceably through the East Angles, which Alfred, as some write, had bestowed on Gothron to hold of him the bounds whereof may be read among the laws of alfred others of them went to fulham on the thames and joining there with a great fleet newly come into the river thence passed over into france and flanders both of which they entered so far conquering or wasting as witnessed sufficiently that the french and flemish were no more able than the english by policy or prowess to keep off that danish inundation from the land Alfred note post-christ 882 returned to text thus rid of them and intending for the future to prevent their landing three years after quiet the meanwhile with more ships and better provided puts to sea and first met with four of theirs whereof two he took throwing the men overboard then met with two others wherein were two of their princes and took them also but not without some loss of his own after three years note post christ eight eighty five returned a text, another fleet of them appeared on these seas, which was so great that one part of them thought themselves sufficient to enter upon East France, and the other came to Rochester and beleaguered it. When they within stoutly defended themselves till Alfred, with great forces coming down upon the Danes, drove them to their ships, leaving for haste all their horses behind them. The same year alfred sent a fleet towards the country of the east angles then inhabited by the danes which at the mouth of the stour meeting with sixteen danish ships after some fight took them all and slew all the soldiers on board but in their way home after this victory lying careless they were overtaken by another part of that fleet and came off with loss whereupon perhaps those danes who were settled among the east angles Erected with new hopes, violated the peace which they had sworn to Alfred. Post Christ 886. Return to text. Who spent the next year in repairing London, besieging, saith Huntington, much ruined and unpeopled by the Danes. The Londoners, all but those who had been led away captive, soon returned to their dwellings, and Ethred, Duke of Mercia, was by the king appointed their governor. But, after thirteen years' respite of peace post christ eight ninety three returned to text another Danish fleet of two hundred and fifty sail from the east part of France arrived at the mouth of a river in East Kent called Lyman, nigh to the great wood Andred, famous for length and breadth. Into that wood they drew up their ships four miles from the river's mouth and built a fortress after whom Hessen. With another Danish fleet of eighty ships entering the mouth of Thames, built a fort at Middleton. The former army remaining at a place called a Pelter. Alfred, perceiving this, took of those Danes who dwelt in Northumberland a new oath of fidelity and of those in Essex hostages, lest they should join as they were wont with their countrymen newly arrived and By the next year, post christ eight ninety four returned to text, having got together his forces between either army of the danes encamped so as to be ready for either of them who first should happen to stir forth. troops of horse also he sent continually abroad assisted by such as could be spared from strong places wherever the countries wanted them to encounter foraging parties of the enemy the king also divided sometimes his whole army marching out with one part by turns the other keeping entrenched in conclusion Rolling up and down, both sides met at Farnham in Surrey, where the Danes, by Alfred's horse troops, were put to flight, and crossing the Thames to a certain island near Colne in Essex, or as Camden thinks by Colebrook, were besieged there by Alfred till provisions failed the besiegers. Another part stayed behind with their king, who was wounded. Meanwhile, Alfred, preparing to reintroduce the siege of Colney, the Danes of Northumberland, breaking faith came by sea to the east angles and with a hundred ships coasting southward landed in devonshire and besieged exeter thither alfred hasted with his powers except a squadron of welsh that came to london with whom the citizens marching forth to beamflet where hassan the dane had built a strong fort and left a garrison while he himself with the main of his army was entered far into the country luckily surprised the fort master the garrison make prey of all they find there. Their ships also they burnt or brought away with good booty, and many prisoners, among whom the wife and two sons of Hassan were sent to the king, who forthwith set them at liberty. Whereupon Hassan gave oath of amity and hostages to the king, he in requital, whether freely or by agreement, a sum of money. Nevertheless, without regard of faith given, while Alfred was busied about Exeter, Joining with the other Danish army, he built another castle in Essex, at Shobury. Thence marching westward by the Thames, aided with the Northumbrian and East Anglish Danes, they came at length to Severn, pillaging all in their way. But Ethred, Ethelm, and Ethelnoth, the king's captains, with united forces, pitched nigh to them at Buttington on the Severn bank in Montgomeryshire, the river running between. And there many weeks attended the king meanwhile blocking up the danes who besieged exeter having eaten part of their horses the rest urged with hunger broke forth to their fellows who lay encamped on the east side of the river and were all there discomforted with some loss of valiant men on the king's party the rest fled back to essex and their fortress there then laugh one of their leaders gathered before winter a great army of northumbrian and east anglish danes who leaving their money ships and wives with the east angles and marching day and night sat down before a city in the west called weirheel near to chester and took it ere they could be overtaken the english after two days siege hopeless to dislodge them wasted the country round to cut off from them all provision and departed soon after which Next year, note post Christ eight ninety five returned to text. The Danes, no longer able to hold Weirheel, destitute of victuals, entered North Wales. Thence, laden with spoils, part returned to Northumberland, others to the East Angles as far as Essex, where they seized on a small island called Mirsig and here again the annals record them to besiege Exeter, but without coherence of sense or story others relate to this purpose that returning by sea from the siege of exeter and in their way landing on the coast of sussex they of chichester sallied out and slew of them many hundreds taking also some of their ships the same year they who possessed Mirsig intending to winter thereabout drew up their ships some into the thames others into the river lee and on the bank thereof built a castle twenty miles from london to assault which the londoners aided with other forces marched out the summer following but were soon put to flight losing four of the king's captains huntington note post christ 896 returned to text writes quite the contrary that these four were danish captains and the overthrow theirs but little credit is to be placed in huntington single for the king thereupon with his forces lay encamped nearer the city That the danes might not infest them in the time of harvest in the meantime subtly devising to turn the stream of the river lee several ways whereby the danish bottoms were left on dry ground which they soon perceiving marched overland to Quatbrig on the severn built a fortress and wintered there while their ships left in the lee were either broken or brought away by the londoners but their wives and children they had left in safety with the East Angles. The next year, note, post-Christ 897, returned to text, was pestilent, and besides the common sort, took away many great earls, Kelmund in Kent, Brithulf in Essex, Wulfred in Hampshire, with many others. And to this evil, the Danes in Northumberland, and amongst the East Angles, ceased not to endamage the West Saxons, especially by stealth robbing on the south shore in certain long galleys. But the king causing to be built, others twice as long as usually were built, and some of sixty or seventy oars, and that were higher, swifter, and steadier than such as were used before, either with Danes or Frisons, and that were of his own invention. Some of these he sent out against six Danish pirates, who had done much harm in the Isle of Wight, and parts adjoining. The bickering was doubtful and intricate part on the water part on the sands not without loss of some eminent men on the english side the pirates at length were either slain or taken two of their ships were stranded the men brought to winchester where the king then was were executed by his command one of them escaped to the east angles with her men much wounded the same year not fewer than twenty of their ships perished on the south coast with all their men and Rollo, the dane or Norman, landing here as matthew of westminster writes though he does not say in what part of the island after an unsuccessful fight against those forces which first opposed him sailed into france and conquered the country since that time called normandy this is the sum of what passed in three years against the danes returning out of france set down so perplexedly by the saxon analyst ill-gifted with utterance as with much ado can be understood sometimes what is spoken, whether meant of the Danes or of the Saxons. After which troublesome time, Alfred enjoying three years of peace, by him spent as his manner was not idly, or voluptuously, but in all virtuous employments, both of mind and body, becoming a prince of his renown, ended his days in the year 900, the fifty-first of his age, the thirtieth of his reign and was buried regally at winchester he was born at a place called wanading in berkshire his mother being osberga the daughter of oslac the king's cup-bearer a goth by nation and of noble descent he was a person comelier than all his brethren of pleasing tongue and graceful behaviour ready wit and memory yet through the fondness of his parents towards him had not been taught to read till the twelfth year of his age. But the great desire of learning which was in him soon appeared by his conning of Saxon poems day and night, which with great attention he heard by others repeated. He was, besides, excellent at hunting, and the then new art of hawking, but more exemplary in devotion, having collected into a book certain prayers and psalms which he carried ever with him in his bosom to use on all occasions. He thirsted after all liberal knowledge, and often complained that in his youth he had had no teachers, and in his middle age so little vacancy from wars and the cares of his kingdom. Yet he sometimes found leisure not only to learn much himself, but to communicate thereof what he could to his people, by translating several books out of Latin into English, as Orosius, Boethius, Beda's history and others, and he permitted none that were unlearned to bear office, either in court or commonwealth. At twenty years of age, though not yet reigning, he took to wife Agilswitha, the daughter of Ethelred, a Mercian earl. The extremities which befell him in the sixth of his reign, Neothan and Abbot told him were justly come upon him for neglecting in his younger days the complaints Of such as being injured and oppressed repaired to him as being then the second person in the kingdom for redress which neglect were it such indeed would yet have been excusable in the youth through jollity of mind unwilling perhaps to be detained long with sad and sorrowful narrations but from the time of his undertaking the regal charge no man was more patient in hearing causes or inquisitive in examining more exact in doing justice and providing good laws, which are yet extant, or more severe in punishing unjust judges or obstinate offenders, and especially thieves and robbers, to the terror of whom in crossways were hung upon a high post certain chains of gold, as it were daring any one to take them thence. So that justice seemed in his days not to flourish only, but to triumph. No man than he was more frugal of two precious things in man's life, his time and his revenue. No man wiser in the disposal of both. His time, the day and night, he distributed, by the burning of certain tapers, into three equal portions. The one was for devotion, the other for public and private affairs, the third for bodily refreshment. How each hour passed, he was put in mind by one who had that office. His whole annual revenue, which his first care was that it should be justly his own, he divided into two equal parts. The first he employed to secular uses, and subdivided those into three. The first, to pay his soldiers, household servants, and guard, of which divided into three bands, one attended monthly by turn. The second was to pay his architects and workmen, whom he had got together of several nations for he was also an elegant builder, above the custom and conceit of Englishmen in those days. The third he had in readiness to relieve, or honour, strangers, according to their worth, who came from all parts to see him and to live under him. The other equal part of his yearly wealth he dedicated to religious uses, those of four sorts, the first to relieve the poor, the second to the building and maintenance of two monasteries, the third of a school where he had persuaded the sons of many noblemen to study sacred knowledge and liberal arts, some say at Oxford. The fourth was for the relief of foreign churches as far as India to the shrine of St. Thomas, sending thither Sigelm, the bishop of Sherburn, who both returned safe and brought with him many rich gems and spices, gifts also, and a letter he received from the patriarch at Jerusalem. Sent many to Rome, and from them received relics. Thus far and much more might be said of his noble mind, which rendered him the mirror of princes. His body was diseased in his youth with a great soreness in the siege, and that ceasing of itself with another inward pain of unknown cause, which, after intervals of ease, returning upon him by frequent fits, continued to molest him to his dying days. Yet did not render him unable to sustain those many glorious labours of his life, both in peace and war, which have been above described. End of part one of book five of John Milton's History of Britain. Recording by Thomas Copeland.